Thank you for being here today and worshiping with us, and we want to welcome you. If you're a guest with us today, I just want to say a big welcome to you, because I know that you have other places that you can choose to worship, but we want to say a big thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. And in fact, at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to come, and we want to be able to have, if you want prayer, we're going to give you the opportunity to pray. And so we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that God does miracles. In fact, this morning, I was reminded of a testimony that happened earlier this week. Some of you guys know Joseph Easton. He a lot of times played, yeah, acoustic guitar. Is Joseph here today? Yeah, yeah. come on, Joseph, right there. After the service today, you can go talk with Joseph. He went into surgery this week because of a, a webbing that, was, that had got into his throat. He hasn't been eaten but just liquids for like 30, 40, 50, 60 days, whatever, it's way longer than I could have handled. And uh, when they went in for surgery to go remove that webbing, when they got in there, it was completely already gone. Come on. I just share that because we believe that if you want change in your life, guess what? God can bring that change. If you're a guest with us, you have come to the right church because if you're looking for change, God can bring the change. We have our vision for this church is creating environments to see what God can do through you. So if you're a guest, welcome again. I hope that as you continue to just worship with us, you will experience God's love, God's powerful love, and that this church will become home to you. Um, when you came in today, hopefully you received a little brochure that says, welcome home. And uh, we do that intentionally. Welcome home, get it? So just welcome home. Okay, just. And then inside that, we have uh, events for the month of June. We try to do them in all different locations. So it's here. It's also in a little summer event thing that we have. We also have it on our church app. We also have it on the website. So if you come to me and say, Pastor Tom, what's going on? Don't do that. Just look on the church app. Look on the program. There's, it's everywhere. We try to... We try to overkill it. But if you're a guest, there's a welcome card inside here. And we would love for you to just take the time to fill that out. Give us some information about you. We don't ask for a lot. But what we want to do is just keep you informed of things that are coming up. And we will, I will, we will try not to bug you too much. And if someone is, just tell them, stop. But we won't. We'll be good. So, um, If you're a father here today, I would like for you to stand because we want to welcome all of our fathers on this Father's Day and say happy Father's Day. Come on. Thank you for being great dads. In my message today, we're in a series called Body Parts. This is our second to the last week of our series. And my message is actually going to be on leadership, which I think is going to be a great message for fathers. But the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. And he really does the comparison between a physical body and the spiritual body of Christ. How our body is made up of many different parts, so is the church body made up of many different gifts and many different parts. The apostle Peter writes these words in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts, of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Two things, and this has kind of been our, our, our staple uh, verse that we've been going back for every part of this uh, series. But two things I want you to realize here. It says in that scripture that God has given everyone a spiritual gift. Every one of you have a gift that's been given to you by God. 
And then it says the second thing you need to remember, that that gift is given to you so that you can serve yourself well. Thank you. Oh, boy, I was hoping someone would speak up. No, it's not to serve yourself well. It's to serve what? Others. That's what your spiritual gift is for. It's to serve others. It's to serve the body of Christ. It's to encourage one another. It's to teach one another. It's to lead one another. As a part of, this body, of the series Body Parts, we want to help each of you to discover the gifts that God has given you and how you can use your gift effectively to serve others and glorify God. Today, we're examining the gift of leadership. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, 8, and our text for the last several weeks has been Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. And Paul writes in the middle part of this verse, he says, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. I want to just take a moment and I want to pray uh, just for a moment that God will just, his word will impact our lives. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to share your word. We believe, Lord, that your word does not, does not return void. But God, that when we step out in faith and believe your word, it will impact our lives. It will change us from the inside out. And God, we are looking for change because we want to continue to become more and more like you. We thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? I read the other day on regarding leadership that a corporate executive who announced the establishment of an annual award titled, entitled Better Leadership Award. Better Leadership Award. It was really a mock, uh, there was a mock award that was really trying to encourage people towards better leadership. The first person who was honored with this re reward was no longer living. It was Christopher Columbus. They honored Christopher Columbus with this award because he started out not knowing where he was going. When he arrived at the destination, he didn't know where he was at. And when he returned home, he couldn't tell anybody where he had been. <laughs> you see, effective leadership is having a clear vision of where you are wanting to go with a good plan on how to get to your destination. As we read the Bible, we understand that not everything goes according to plan. But one of the things about leadership is having the ability to adjust to God's plan. You see, in Proverbs, it states these words. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans, and we should make our plans. The Bible doesn't say we shouldn't make our plans. We should but the Lord is the one who will determine the steps. The Lord is the one that will say, okay, yeah, this is great, but I'm going to shift you this way. And a great leader is willing to adjust to what the Lord is telling us. The gift of leadership in Romans 12, 8 is a spiritual leadership. The definition of the Greek word for leadership is to preside, to rule, give attention to, to direct. The principles of spiritual leadership can be applied in all areas of your life. So as I'm sharing here today about leadership, don't just think that it's only for the church. It is spiritual leadership, but spiritual leadership should go with you wherever you go. What is the purpose of leadership? It's to bring greater purpose and direction in life. It's to guide people 
through difficult times. It's to help lead people towards change. Effective leadership requires what? Great faith. I don't believe that you can lead unless you have great faith. To be spiritually effective leader, you must recognize that you are appointed by God. And this is, this is what it says in Scripture. It says this is one of the seven gifts that the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 12, is that this is one of those motivational gifts. It's a gift of leadership. You must know that as a leader that you're under his authority and you serve for his purpose and for his pleasure. Good leaders, catch this, good leaders understand authority. They do. If you, if you want to be a great leader, you need to grab a hold of what authority is. Good leaders recognize also that authority is about serving others. One of the greatest examples that we can have about a leader is Jesus himself. And Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He shared these words. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and could give his life as a ransom for many. So he didn't just didn't come serve himself, he came to serve others, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. If you're about serving yourself, guess what? Bottom line, you're not a leader. Paul, a gifted leader, continually referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Your gift of leadership is not about exalting yourself. That's not the purpose of your gift. Your gift of leadership has been given to you so that you can glorify God by leading people to the truth. Did you catch that? Your gift of leadership has been given to you so that you can glorify God by leading people to the truth. Last week I spoke about teaching the truth, right? How many were here last week? I'm like, oh, pretty good showing there. That's good. Sometimes I ask that and a quarter of the people raise their hands and they're like, well, where is everybody? Last week, I spoke about speak, uh, teaching the truth. This week, I would challenge you to be a trailblazer for the truth. To be a trailblazer, to be a leader, to step out in faith. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow. See, leadership is all about someone following you. If you have no one following you, maybe you need to reconsider your gift of leadership. <laughs> follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Many versions translate it, that word follow as imitate. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. This makes me think of the game Simon Says. You know what I'm saying? When there's a leader, and then the leader does one thing, and he says, Simon Says, do this, and everybody has to follow right along. And so you're following the leader. But I, ask, I have a question for you today. Why would the Apostle Paul make this statement? Follow me as I follow Christ. Why would he make that statement? Isn't that kind of a scary statement? I know that Paul has the disclaimer, as I follow Christ. He put a disclaimer there, follow me as I follow Christ. But I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've ever walked up to someone and said, hey, Mike, follow me as I follow Christ. I don't think I've ever shared that. I don't think I've ever put those words. Why would Paul make that statement? Follow me as I follow Christ. You see, I believe for most of us, we know our faults. We know our mistakes. 
And many times we don't want to say, hey, follow me, because we're thinking about our faults, our mistakes. I don't want anyone to follow me down my road of mistakes and down right. I want people, you know what, to follow Christ, right? Why wouldn't the Apostle Paul just make the statement, hey, you guys should follow Christ? Have you ever wondered that? Why does he say, follow me as I follow Christ? I was thinking about this whole thing. I thought, man, am I spiritually mature enough to ask people to follow me as I follow Christ? And then I started thinking about it. You see, I, on Thursday's my study day. I start to study and I start to pray. Friday is cooking in me and I start to continue to develop my message. I don't just all of a sudden, this is not something I get off the internet. This is, not, this is something that comes out of me as I start to pray. And I say, I was praying. All of a sudden I started thinking about the Paul's words in scripture. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. It was the Apostle Paul who said in Romans 7.15, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I started thinking about that statement, Stephen. Why would the Apostle Paul say, follow me, when he's having a struggle following Christ? When he admits in scripture for all time, it's forever in print where it always will be. Hey, you know what? There's times, man, when I struggle, where I want to do the right thing, but man, all of a sudden I find myself doing what I hate. Anybody relate? Oh, good. Thank you, church. I'm in the right church today. I believe that this is a great message for Father's Day. Because there are fathers who struggle with similar thoughts when leading their families. How could I ever desire for my kids to follow in my footsteps? How could I ever tell my kids, follow me, when at times, man, I struggle with doing what is right? I'm going somewhere today. You better come with me. (laughs) Within that feeling of inadequacies, Within that feeling of feeling inadequate, that's the time where all of a sudden you can stop leading. So I want to share a truth with you that will set you free. You are inadequate. Every single one of you that I'm looking at is inadequate, and it's okay. It's okay. For the next few moments, I want to look at the gift of leadership through the writings of the Apostle Paul. For it's the text that he wrote that we are studying this week in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. The first thought I want to share with you today is this. Godly leaders recognize their weakness. Godly leaders recognize their weakness. It's important that as leaders, we recognize that at, at, at in our heart, that the central part of our heart, when it's left to its own course, it is selfish and it is manipulative. It desires its own way. As leaders, we must recognize our weaknesses and we must examine our motives. Why do we do what we do? We need to ask those tough questions. We must look inside. Is it for selfish gain or is it to help lead others? The Bible states we are to guard our hearts. 
Guard our, how do we guard our hearts? And there's lots of ways that I could, there's lots of things that I could share with you. But one of the ways is by recognizing your weaknesses. That's one of the ways you guard your hearts. The deception is when we feel strong and indestructible. We feel like, wow, you're so strong. Great leaders recognize their weaknesses and they plan accordingly. They surround themselves with peers and leaders who can strengthen and help fortify their weaknesses. They stay connected to community that strengthens them. I've never understood, and if, if you're, I'm, oh, that's okay, I step on toes, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just going to, I've never understood people who make this, oh, I just don't have time for church this week. I just don't, I just, you know, I love going, but I just don't, and I'm thinking, that's where spiritual maturity starts to develop is when you get into a church and you hear the word of God when you're worshiping together as the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden starts downloading your life. How can you skip church? Because it's in church and it's in that spiritual maturity where all of a sudden I start to discover my weaknesses. And all of a sudden it's in those points of times where God can take my weaknesses and make them strengths. But how will I ever discover my weaknesses if I'm never in the body of Christ, if I'm never worshiping with one another, if I'm never hearing the word of God taught? You see, it's one thing to study God's word, and I hope every one of you are reading God's word. But it's another thing at times, I listen to podcasts, I get fed through, Jensen Franklin is one of my favorite preachers. Joyce Meyer is one of my favorite preachers and teachers. I listen to podcasts because you know what? The pastor needs his heart challenged. The pastor needs to know his weaknesses in life. The first step in guarding against your weaknesses is to learn to to recognize your weakness. And by doing this, you're growing spiritually. I had a professor in college, and he made a statement. It was my freshman year. And he made the statement, he said, the goal of this university is after you have attended four years and you graduate, you will leave understanding that you really know nothing. (laughs) Because it opened up your mind to realize, oh my gosh, how much is out there, how much knowledge that I haven't even attained yet. And I think about it in that way, spiritual maturity really in some ways opens you up to discover how many weaknesses you really do have. And then that's when you can start guarding your heart because you know where the weakness is. Those who are prideful will never recognize their weaknesses and will end up deceiving themselves. Their weaknesses will eventually become their downfall. But when we recognize our weaknesses, We are allowing God to do the work in those areas of our life. And he can change your weaknesses and he can make them strengths. If you're a father here today, let me share this thought with you. Sons and daughters don't need self-righteous fathers. Sons and daughters don't need holier-than-thou fathers. Sons and daughters don't need hypocritical fathers as their role models. I'm just speaking the truth here today. I'm stepping on toes. It's okay. They don't need to try to follow in the footsteps of a father who is so far superior to them that they will never meet that expectation. What children need is a humble, sincere, 
honest leadership. They need to see transparency and brokenness. David writes these words, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. You see, when you catch this thought, when you are transparent, this is, I cannot share with you how important this thought is right now. I think it opens up so many areas of our lives when we lead and when we parent. When you are transparent enough to recognize your weakness, your weaknesses, you are then allowing your children to recognize their weaknesses. Did you catch that? You see, so many times as parents, we're so perfect that the children don't think they could ever have a weakness. But when you as a father, when you as a mother, when you as a leader, think of the Apostle Paul's words, follow me as follow Christ, but he says that he struggles with doing what things are right. He's exposing his weakness. It's powerful what he's doing. When you are transparent enough to recognize your weaknesses, you are then allowing your children to recognize their weaknesses. Just in case, if you don't know, your children aren't perfect. I know some, and grandparents, I don't care what you think, your grandchildren are not perfect. I know, I know. But more importantly, we need to stop trying to make them perfect. I'm not saying that we shouldn't instruct and train. We should. But to put the burden of perfection on them is a huge detriment for their future because no one can live up to a perfect standard. What we need is honest and transparent leadership to follow. Research conducted in 2013 found that 68% of adolescents who had committed suicide were known for expressing high demands and expectations, common characteristics of perfectionism. In fact, there is more and more evidence that is coming out that perfectionism is a better way to predict suicidal thoughts, even more so than feelings of hopelessness. Catch that? And I would dare say that actually it's perfectionism that is one of the things that leads us to the feelings of hopelessness. Is when you're trying to live up to an impossible state. Why do you think Jesus came 2,000 years ago as a sacrifice for our sins and die on the cross for us? Because we're not perfect. Amen. He had to set us free from the law. Amen. Preaching good today. It's not that we shouldn't set high standards, but it's the ability to recognize you have weaknesses. Secondly, godly leaders not only recognize their weaknesses, godly leaders embrace weaknesses. They don't just recognize them, they embrace their weaknesses. What would happen if leadership actually began to embrace their weaknesses? In Hebrews 4, the author writes that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses and that we have, can find grace and mercy in our time of need. That high priest that Hebrews is speaking about is Jesus Christ. He became our high priest. And it says in Scripture that he has been tempted in every way that we have been tempted and without sin. 
But as, you, as I share that, the cool thing about it is he knows the trials. He knows the temptations. He knows our difficulties. And there's grace for it. He wants you to make it. God is for you, not against you. Amen. Know that. Some of you think that God's punishing you. He's not punishing you. He loves you. You might be punishing yourself. That's your fault. It's not his fault. It's a whole other message. We won't go there. <laughs> James writes these words in James 4, 6, and he gives, a, gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then there is the Apostle Paul who writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about the great vision that he had when all of a sudden he was taken up to the third heaven. If you haven't read that, you can read it for yourself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He experienced things there, he said, that were inexpressible. The revelations were so great that the Apostle Paul states that he was given a thorn in his flesh just to keep him from being conceited. Think about that thought. You saw something so great in heaven, so magnificent, you don't even know how to express it. And when you got there, when you come back to earth, the Lord gives you a thorn in your flesh just to humble you a little bit, just to keep you from being conceited. Paul pleads with the Lord three times, Lord, take this thorn from me. And listen to the Lord's words back to the apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Leadership. It's not just all of a sudden recognizing your weaknesses, but it's embracing your weaknesses. You see, your weakness will keep you grounded and dependent upon God. Pride moves us away from God. Humility keeps us with God. And it's our dependence upon God that will make you a, an effective and powerful leader. It's our dependence upon God. The last final thought that I want to share with you today is this. Godly leaders lead from weaknesses. So they recognize weaknesses, they embrace weakness, but they actually lead from weaknesses. In the second half of Romans 12, 9, I just read the first half. The Apostle Paul writes, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. Think about that statement. We just read scriptures and we don't really apply them to our life. So let me apply them to our lives. When, last, when, did, when was it last week that you boasted about your weaknesses? Not that you just shared about your weaknesses, but you boasted about your weaknesses. When was the last time that you all of a sudden just said, oh, let me share my weaknesses with you? The Apostle Paul says he boasts about his, why would he? Paul's hard to understand sometimes. But man, when you dig in there, all of a sudden you find truth, what Paul's trying to share with us, that all of a sudden enlightens you, it becomes revelation to you. Paul is proud to share about his weaknesses. Let's admit it. Most of us never want to talk about our weaknesses. We don't, we don't live in a society or a culture that really that applauds people to talk about their weaknesses. In fact, most people want to hide their weaknesses. When they get accused of things, that wasn't me. 
and you watch it on the news day after day, wouldn't it be refreshing? That was me. It was me that made that mistake. I did that. Wouldn't it be refreshing for someone just to admit it the first place instead of going through all this other stuff when finally they get exposed to enough where they all of a sudden, because they're weak, they're ashamed of their weaknesses. Paul boasts about his weaknesses. Let's go somewhere here. We don't want to hear about someone's weaknesses. We don't, Right? Or maybe we do. Maybe that would be refreshing to us. Maybe those are the leaders we need to hear more from. Leaders who aren't leading from self-righteous arrogance, but leaders who are leading from God's grace. Leaders who are dependent upon God because they lead from their weakness. Did you catch that? Leaders who are dependent upon God because they lead from their weakness. What would happen if leaders started leading from the transparency of weakness like the Apostle Paul. I believe people would find hope. I know our hope is in Jesus, and that never changes. But listen to what I'm saying. I believe when we start leading from weakness and from transparency, think about the Apostle Paul. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, that was his name before he got had an encounter on the road to Damascus with Saul. He was a persecutor of Christians. In fact, the disciples didn't even want to take him in because they didn't even trust him. They didn't even believe in him. It was Barnabas that came along his side and said, hey, Saul, I'll take you in. His name gets changed to the Apostle Paul. He, becomes, he has an encounter with Jesus, a divine encounter on the road to Damascus. And he's transparent about it. I was the persecutor of the church. I am the least among you. I, I struggle with doing what things are, what, what are right. But guess what? Come follow me as I follow Christ. We need leaders who will display weaknesses, who are not dependent on self, but dependent upon Jesus. Too many times leaders put themselves on pedestals where others will eventually fall from. Did you catch that? I slipped that in there. Not where they're going to fall from. And they probably will fall when they put themselves on pedestals. But along with them, others will fall. Because they're following the leader who's put himself on a pedestal. We don't need pedestals. We need altars. We don't need pedestals. We need altars. We need places where we can be broken before God. We need places where I can say, here's my weakness, Lord. I boast in my weakness, Lord, right now to you because I know if I share my weakness with you, Lord, you can make it my strength. You can take my struggles and you can turn them around for your glory, God. Those things that I struggle with, all of a sudden I can confess and share those and people can see how powerful my God is. He can take my weaknesses. Because when I am weak, then He is strong. He is strong in my life.
Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I love these words, I am what I am. Reminds me of Popeye, the sailor man. I am, I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace to me was not without effect. You see, if God's grace is not changing your life, you haven't really discovered God's grace yet. Because God's grace will impact you in such a way that sin begins to fall off your life and you start walking in the truth because of His grace that covers you in such a powerful way. You don't even have the desire for that anymore. It starts to fall off of you. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. I am what I am. Famous. Popeye quoted the Bible. <laughs> now anybody under the age of probably 50 has no idea what I'm talking about right now. That's okay. But do you remember what Popeye would do when he got himself in trouble? When he was getting beat up, when he was weak? Yeah, by Bruno. Thank you. That's awesome. By Bruno. You're over 50, though. I just know that right now. By Bruno. He would take out a can of spinach. And all of a sudden, he'd down that can of spinach, and all of a sudden, supernatural strength would come upon him. And I was thinking about how Popeye would find supernatural strength, and I was thinking, and I know this is crazy thought. But that's God's grace upon us. When we all of a sudden find our weakness and all of a sudden we feel, start feeling, oh, man, you just need to take a can of grace, of God's grace out. And you need to find supernatural strength because you don't do it in your strength. You do it in His strength. When you don't know how to work, walk through something, when the enemy seems like it's overcoming you, when all of a sudden you get a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis that, man, there's no way. All of a sudden you get a foreclosure on your house. You get a pink slip at your workplace. All of a sudden a friend calls you and tells you they hate you. They hate you and you go like, where'd that come from? And you get overwhelmed with the pressures of life. There's times you just need to pull out a can of God's grace. And say, ah, Lord, when I am weak, then you are strong in my life. As followers of Jesus, it's in his grace that we find supernatural strength. We need to learn to lead from our weaknesses so that God's power may be evident in our life. It is from that vantage point you can say, Follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word is powerful and it's effective. I pray today that these words will take root, that they will not be seeds that just fall along the side of the road where the birds will come and eat them or where the weeds will grow over them and squash them. But I pray, God, this, these, these seeds, this word, will fall on good ground. And I pray that this church will be full of leaders that, Lord God, will lead in humility, Lord God. They will embrace their weakness, Lord God, because they know, Lord God, when we are weak, then we are strong in you, God. I pray, God, that you would reveal that to every one of us here today. I ask it, Lord. 
take root in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, eye closed. I don't know why I feel this so much so, but maybe it's because the water baptism is coming up soon. Maybe there's someone here today that, man, you heard this message and you say, Pastor Tom, great message, but you need to know that I'm not even living for Christ right now. I'm not even following Jesus. And you want the opportunity to follow Jesus. You don't, maybe don't know how to do that. We, we are a church that, man, we give opportunity for people to surrender their lives to Christ, to admit their weaknesses, to say, God, take my weaknesses. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to follow you. If you're here today and you want that opportunity, heads bowed, eyes closed, raise your hand real high. Because I just want to say a prayer with you today. Anybody here today that just needs to make that commitment. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anybody else? Everyone today, pray this prayer with me today. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Help me to overcome. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Set me free. Help me to follow you. I surrender my life to you. I praise you today. I worship you today. And I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second, and you can keep your eyes open for this one. If you're here today and you have a leadership role, maybe you serve at your office in leadership or whatever it might be, or you want to become a better leader, I just feel every message I've shared this, in this series, I feel like God has told me each time to have people respond to that message in prayer. Because prayer changes things. And so if you're here today, and we're all going to stand in a minute, but if you're here today and you just say, Pastor Tom, I want prayer over my life as a leader. I want prayer over my life into new opportunities. And I want to lead in humility, in a way where people will follow. Just stand right here. And I want to say prayer over you. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you see everyone that's standing here. I stand with them today. God, I thank you for the gifts of the gifts that you have given to us, the gifts of the Spirit that you have, Lord God, freely bestowed upon us. I pray, God, the gift of leadership, Lord God, would come to a new level. And that new level, Lord God, would happen, Lord God, as we continue to humble ourselves before you. I pray for favor, Lord Jesus, favor at workplaces, favor at school, favor at, where, at home as fathers and mothers. Wherever we might be, God, I pray, Lord God, that you will continue, Lord God, to work in and through our lives. I pray this week we will have greater opportunities to lead people to the truth. I ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God good? Very cool.